We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. We're here. I wish I could keep this feeling. I wish I could keep this feeling. Because you're listening to this podcast, we at Blue Wire want you to know this. One, we freaking love you. And two, we want to learn more about you. Help us make more content you'll love by filling out a survey you can find in the description of this podcast. You'll help us out a ton, and you'll have a chance to win a Blue Wire t-shirt, hoodie, or a pair of AirPods. We appreciate you, hope you're staying safe, and want you to enjoy this podcast. What up, everybody? Welcome to another week of the Corner Podcast. Kel Dansby here with the old man, Andreas Hale. And we have plenty of pro wrestling to dive into later in the show. NXT, AEW, both gearing up for big weeks on television. We have some main roster stuff to discuss as well. A little celebration towards the end to one of our favorite groups on the main roster. They hit a milestone, so we have to talk about that. But first, we have to talk about something way more important. And it's something that not only affects me and Drace directly because we're in journalism, we're in pro wrestling as a field, as a career, just because of who we are. And we always speak out on these issues that we have to shine a light on it. There's the speak out movement in pro wrestling where brave men and women have come and told their stories and show just how dark that side of wrestling can be, no pun intended, due to the show. But it, it's it's real. It's more than just a show on whatever streaming channel that shit is, Vice. It, it's real. It's still going on. It's not revisionist. They're speaking up and looking for change inside of pro wrestling. On the flip side, we're seeing the same thing occur in journalism. 
which is our field. You know, we we are minority journalists. We push so hard for minority journalists to have a voice. Uh, Dre specifically, who has helped me have a voice as a journalist and, and propelled me. And you've done things like build a website, the well versed in the past, and you, you've really been on top of this. Uh, shout out to you, by the way. You're not just about talk. You're about your actions. In case people didn't know, you're listening to this. You guys know. Um, so we we have to start there and. We have to start something that hits specifically close to home for me in that a lot of women, former colleagues at Black Sports Online, where I worked for five years, um, have come out and we're talking about their treatment at the hands of owner and someone we've had on podcasts and everything, Robert Latal. And as everyone knows, I started at BSO and I will openly say if it wasn't for BSO, I wouldn't be where I am now. That being said, my journey and my experience as an, a writer there is very different than some of my colleagues. And I've spent the past 12 hours, I guess, since it came out, while we're before. Yeah, it's about 12, 14 hours now that we're recording this, just listening, reading, listening hearing what they had to say. Because even if it wasn't my experience, if the shit was an experience, I, I know right from wrong. Um, I'll dive more into what my experience was in my time there, but Dre on the outside looking in, what are some of your thoughts on this situation? Um, first thing I wanna say is uh, women journalists matter. You see how easy that is? I didn't all <laughs> so lives we, matter this shit. So, so Women easy. matter. You know, but I, it, I have to say this because it's crazy because people are like, oh, what about us when we talk about Black Lives Matter stuff? Women matter, and I'm not a woman. And I can see this, and I can uh, sympathize with that plight. And I can sit there and go, man, they've got a lot tougher than I do. It's really not that hard to do. So I just wanted to do that aside first before people start wilding out. Um, but this thing has been a mess, man. Uh, women have been treated wrong in a number of fields for the longest time and unfortunately black women are at like the bottom of the totem pole when it comes to income when it comes to treatment when it comes to being listened to cared about it's an unfortunate circumstance and, and that has to change like when we talk about everything else has to change that has to change as well so when i see these uh i guess we'll call it a reckoning of of sorts with not only with women in journalism, but we also talked about I mean, we've seen what Complex has done with the, uh, some of their women writers and the pay and OK player and everything that came out against them. Look, man, I've worked in this industry, which is sports, and I've worked in the music industry as well. And I can say these I, I, I can say without a shadow of a doubt that these women aren't lying. These situations are real. Now, I can't speak to every situation individually, but I can say that I've seen enough in this industry to know that there is a, an abuse of power. There has been uh, undermining. There has been uh, discriminatory tactics. There has been so many things to make women in journalism feel small and unwelcome, no matter how hard they work. So it, I'm happy that they're speaking out now. Uh, and I, you know, I... It, what's unfortunate is that some of the stories that are coming out through these numerous outlets, they're really disheartening to see that this is what's going on. You know, like I said, 
with an okay player I've talked about on Twitter. It's like uh, a friend of mine, Kevin Clark, who worked with me at DX, uh, was talking about, you know, when he had his uh, kidney transplant from a friend of mine and some Samuel now works down the other side of complex. Uh, okay player made him work through that, through recovery, which is fucking insane. It threatened him to uh, no longer be employed and they eventually let him go. And I could vouch for Kevin because I worked with him for five, six, seven years. So I, I know uh, some of these underhanded tactics that these companies use. Now, not every single story is going to be 100% accurate because there's always going to be another side to it. But for the most part, when these women are speaking, you should listen. And you should listen to exactly what they're saying and doing. And those of you who are on the wrong end of this, be accountable for your actions apologize and figure out how to do better because obviously the damage is already done um but just don't make it worse that's the one thing that i ask don't make it worse don't go out there and try to slander them don't go out there and try to defend yourself say well it was different time or whatever it is don't do that apologize that's the first thing you should do apologize for your actions especially if you feel like you're wrong the problem is there's too many people who don't feel like they were wrong and they'll put out these really generic statements that don't mean shit so yeah, continue to listen to these stories. Um, Kel, I know this is something that's, that's really close to you. Like I said, I've only seen it from the outside um, in, so I can't really speak to it directly. But it just sucks to see that the women that were your former colleagues that have gone through this. Yeah. Um, man, it's something where I haven't talked about it on Twitter. And... I'll go back. Three weeks ago, we had a show where we were talking about Duce Palooza, right? And uh, whatever the hell that guy's name was there, who was accused and let go, and he was doing some real foul, underhanded shit. And we talked about that at length on this podcast. And we had this little section of brief conversation where we talked about, like, what's the role and responsibility of everyone else affiliated with Duce Palooza? the Rory's, you know, the Cavs, all these people who, you know, speak out. Cavs was quick um, to speak out, but, like, Rory took a while and all this stuff. Like, what is their role in this? And how should they handle it? So, now we fast forward, and it's three weeks. The crazy thing about it is, that I've noticed, is, unlike many of my other peers who may have worked at BSO before, currently still working there, my name hasn't been added on Twitter. No one has mentioned me. No one has looked for me. And uh, I guess that's because I'm so far removed. I haven't worked at BSO for three and a half years now. I've kind of, like, gone past that. But still, I was, I was thinking, like, shit, what should I say? Should I say something? And then, thankfully, we have this platform. So uh, I was like, you know what? It's, it's only right. I'm not going to give it a pass because it's somewhere I work because I know all involved because of and fuck it like we're always honest on this podcast just because when I was arrested wrongfully and we did the podcast after it I was trailed by police and profiled and then arrested and I was in jail for four fucking days because they denied me bail but I saw people who had DUIs and stuff getting out on bail but I wasn't allowed bail um that was three years ago, I believe, four years ago, when I was arrested and Rob put up the money to bail me out. Or he put up the money to clear whatever charges they had on me so I can get out faster. 
because I wouldn't have seen a judge for like another four days. I would have been in there a total of eight. He got me out in four. So I respect that. I always hold that like, yo, um, I always, it's like, yo, cool, you were there when I needed you, you rocked with me, cool. And I thanked him for that and he knows how that goes. I give him credit for allowing me to write on his platform. Um, BSO, Black Sports Online in itself, I maintain is a smart concept and a good platform. It allowed me without a college degree because I didn't finish um, it allowed me to show that, you know what, I'm a writer, I'm a journalist, I want to cover sports, and I can. And it propelled me ahead of countless others who just think a diploma is the way to go. It allowed me that space to grow and cultivate my career and did wonders for me. BSO, in theory, works very well. But now we get to the nitty-gritty of this shit where it's not hearsay. There are screenshots put out by my former colleagues who are women men who have come up talking about their experiences while working at bso and i don't know if it was due to how i carry myself how whatever it may be i was not treated that way but they were and i can run down from it started in a group chat where um tamantha was the first to come out and it's all on her twitter first come out there was an inappropriate comment she felt towards her and rob didn't squash that when she felt that it was inappropriate. He rolled with it and told her to be less sensitive. That is wrong. Now, as the boss, that is wrong. It is wrong for the comment to be said, specifically even worse for the boss not to have your back. I, can, I can't imagine how that made her feel. Because whether it was a little joke, whether it was whatever, whether we joked like that all the time in the group chat, which I was in that group chat, I wasn't in that specific conversation, but I knew like, how these jokes occurred. I was a 25-year-old knucklehead in this group chat. If you guys haven't heard the early days of the podcast, you know how wild and crazy I was. So I was in this group chat making jokes, not to that degree, but people were joking on me and saying stupid shit. Like, I, I get it. But if it offended her, that should have been it. And to, you know, for him not to have her back, and obviously I wasn't there. You didn't see my name in the threads. Um... On that day, I don't know where the hell I was. I think it was my now wife's birthday. It was like the first birthday I spent with her. So I wasn't in the chat. But that's horrible to feel that your employer doesn't have your back or your boss doesn't have your back. And then I touch on the statement of employer. So, so many people at BSO didn't get paid. It is not my business to tell Rob's business in terms of financials. But what is on the timeline, a lot of people did not get paid for their work. Thousands, 2,000, 3,000 articles crazy hits, articles that went viral in the millions of impressions and to not get paid. I objectively have always, even when I left, I always saw a model where you can pay people and everyone to a point and then have people who are brought in as just interns for experience. But if someone's good enough to be a, a beat writer for you or if they're good enough to cover events, it is fair enough to say they're good enough to get paid in some regard. Travel, get a, get someone a metro card, pay for the gas. You know, however you may shake it down in the constructs of what you can afford as a business. You pay people because it's, it's good business. It, there's a reason why dictatorships fail in throughout history. For only so long, you can treat people underneath you who keep you afloat wrong. 
Like, even our government doesn't treat us the fucking best. They don't treat black people the best, but they give us a little, and that quiets a lot of black people. It's a horrible model, but that's true. To give people nothing, you're asking for whatever the fuck you get at the end. So I thought that was a, a poor model, and that's just being, you know, objected. Like, that, that was a shitty model. You pay people. Do something. Um, and then the overall treatment... I guess to wrap it up, because our whole show is not about this shit, but the overall treatment of women and my female colleagues, um, I would say first personally for me, I've known at a very early age to never cross those boundaries with women at all. Like, I never had to be a creep. I was never, I never knew what it was to be uncool if we're just keeping it a buck. Like, I, I've always been cool like I was a jock in high school I was a jock in college I had no problems ever getting girls I was married pulling women like I, getting girls and being able to talk to women was never my problem I didn't have to sleep with colleagues or co-workers I didn't have to you know crawl in dms I never had to send inappropriate pictures and dip pics and do you know go full velveteen dream you never go full velveteen dream by the way but still you you get it like I never had to do that shit so I've always been weirded out by these fucking weirdos who've had to. But uh, I put this in our group chat earlier. This is like a Joe Budden quote. It's like, when you invite a nerd to the cool table, shit is bound to break up like a pool table. Like, that's it. Like, when people who aren't cool, when they don't know how to address women, respectfully or otherwise, they don't know socially how to talk to people, and they automatically just do something and end up in the cool kid circle, they don't know how to move. That intimidation leads them to doing really dumb shit and talking to people and, and using the reason why they think they're at the cool table as a crutch. So to say that um, other women were asked to, you know, take off their tops if there's a certain amount of errors. Like, that shit is stupid. And in the end, you want to... I, I feel offended specifically because keep that same energy like you're, you're a fucking creep keep that same energy like if I got four errors in my in my editorial that I wrote last week like I got a drop trowel like what what are we talking here you can get a whole eyeful of something I, I, I don't understand this it's such a dumb fucking thing to say again if that's true but I, I'm going to believe that no one's making this shit up just out the blue there's I would say there's a shred of truth I don't know allegedly but that's just some stupid shit. If that happens to anyone. Just messages of like, yo, come to my room. Like, oh, you want to spend the night in my room? For what? For what? Like, if we're at an event, what the fuck do you need a co-worker to come to your room for? You're at an event. You got a credential. Where are your credential outside? You're pulling 10 girls. Easy. Dropping draws, thinking that you're bigger than you are. Just fucking wear your credential. Trey, we've seen a lot of urban loitering. That credential, fucking, so many eyes on you if you have a credential. Go outside. Walk up to a bar. Pull a chick. Like, how hard is that shit? Like, it, it's so weird to just be a fucking creep to me. And that's what bothers me in the end. So if the allegations, if these stories, fuck allegations, if these stories are even mainly true, then it's too much. If they're any shred of truth, it's too much. Because it should never happen. 
we should be able to go to work and work. Another aspect of hiring people because of how they look, that's fucking stupid as well. Especially, we're not, it's not television. You're a writer. Hire the best writers. The quality of content, shout out to Bossip, who isn't in any of these allegations. Like, Bossip, by the way, is going to get all my fucking clicks. Every single one of them. Um, I know you know Dennis who writes there. Um, incredible journalist. They pay people. They have incredible journalists. Yeah, they write about gossip. They write funny headlines. They got some fucking meat on their bones, though. You can do the the funny fringe uh, gossip shit if you got some real, real hitters behind it. They found the perfect balance. Oh, gossip lasts forever. Um, <laughs> but no, that that's real. Like some, you gotta have quality. You you have to have quality. You have to have integrity. You you have to build what you say you're going to build and that includes a proper working environment for women men minorities whatever the fuck it is if anyone feels wrong in that environment then that environment is wrong and i'm a huge proponent in that if anyone felt wrong at bso and it's done great things for me i i waste two seconds of saying fuck it and that's no disrespect to rob there's no disrespect to listen if it happens I remove all personal feelings to and attachments to anyone involved. But if one of my female colleagues said some bad shit went down, fuck it, let it burn. Just like I love this country, I love America, black people aren't treated right, there's riots, fuck it, let it burn. We'll figure it out on the back end. And that's how I feel about this. Like, yo, if this is, if this was happening, fuck it, burn it to the ground. And I hope someone builds a, a platform like it because the platform's fucking incredible and I wouldn't be here without it. But do it the right way. Some people fuck up a good thing. So. Yeah. It's a lot. It's my stance on it. <laughs> <laughs> it is a lot. And um, like I said, you're really close to the situation. So, you know, I know it's very personal for you. Um, I Like I said, I, I've seen these things happen far too often in these industries you know i've heard a lot of stories um at places that i've worked and fortunately i don't know man i'm not gonna tell everybody to go run out and go get married but it seems like (laughs) sometimes it keeps your nose out of trouble if if you're not in the midst of the bullshit it's it's a lot easier to stay out of it right but i know there's a lot of single people out there and you can do the same thing it's just don't be inappropriate and if you are inappropriate apologize i do understand in some situations that lines are blurred at work and with friends that you make at work correct and conversations are had and but once i I think that the most important thing is once somebody says that makes them feel uncomfortable that's that's it. it that's it it's over because Lines being, they shouldn't be blurred, but it happens. I get it. I mean, dude, let's be honest. How many people have been boning their secretaries for years at, at workplaces? You know, how many uh, work wives or work husbands do people have? This, these things happen, and lines are crossed. However, yes. if you use your power to, uh, to leverage the opposite sex, because this goes for women, too. I've seen women do this shit to men. Uh, and somebody says, ah, nah, I'm good. Just don't. Not for their, not even just for their sake, for your own sake. 
Because why? <laughs> like, yeah, why just, go that far? Once it's a rap, it's a rap. Once somebody don't be says, a creep. <laughs> yeah, when somebody says, oh, you know, you made, you said something about uh, my butt, and I didn't make me feel comfortable. And here's what you do. I'm sorry. That will not happen again. And I apologize if I offended you. Everybody's like, I'm not going to be the person here that says everybody is perfect because everybody has some dirt somewhere. But if you have any dirt, and if you didn't know before, you know now. So cop to it. If you got skeletons in your closet, be prepared for somebody to pull the curtain back and let them motherfuckers out. And be prepared to apologize. But you know, just don't be don't be a creep. Don't be yeah. a creep. Don't leverage your power. Don't. It, it happens way too much to women in all industries of all colors, all races, all shades. Women have a really hard time in, in especially male-dominated businesses like sports um, and even music, man. Like, there's a lot of women who cover it, but it's predominantly males. Yeah. It's also predominantly white males, and that's a whole other show. But we'll just talk, talk about women right now where ultimately it's you know, we got to listen to them. We got to listen to them and we got to recognize that this shit ain't cool. This shit ain't cool because best believe this ain't over. Me Too was the beginning. And I think we said this a while ago on the show that it's going to happen to this industry. Yep. The Me Too movie is going to happen to like journalism. It's going to happen in sports. It does, It's not going to stop. So, yeah, if you got some issues, fix them. Apologize. Cop to it. Don't make excuses. Like, just, yeah, I fucked up. Yeah, um, I love your statement. It was like, no one's perfect. There's skeletons in the closet. You always look at me like I'm a weirdo, and you still do, for uh, saying any and everything in my life on this show. We are complete polar opposites in that regard. And I will tell you, there's nothing I've done in life that I haven't shared on this show. So, if you guys have been listening to the show from the beginning, ain't shit you'll ever find on Twitter about me that I have not said on this show. And hence, I'm not a creep. Because when you have nothing to hide, or, I mean, there's reasons to be private. But in my regard, like, I've told it all because I had nothing to really hide. It's so weird. Like, my only quick spat on Twitter is when someone was mad I was cheating on someone with their friend and would no longer cheat again. Like, gotta be fucking kidding. So it, it's, it's crazy. And also why I have no fear speaking on these topics. The hypocrisy a lot of times is what's the fucking kicker. A lot of people will talk about this knowing the skeletons in their closet. Like this shit isn't going to happen to them. Like I I can speak openly and honestly about this whole shit because no one's pulling my, oh my God, you know, Kel did this car. No. Like, can't find it. Like, yep, cheated a lot on my ex-wife. She probably doesn't like it. She badmouthed me. No one can say they didn't know it. She cheated with a work husband. Shout out to your best point. So, you know, shit, shit happened. Like, like, everything about me is here. So, um, now it's crazy. It's just wild to speak out about that. Real quick, before we, you know, pay some of the bills with the ad read, let's talk about how this pertains specifically to pro wrestling. Oh, my God. And uh, we this touched on a lot wrecking. of... <laughs> Yeah, we, we touched on a lot of it last week, right? Like, when it was first coming out. But we didn't see that it was going to be addressed like it is. Now we're seeing... I, I'm not even going to use the word fallout. I'm trying to, like, avoid saying fallout because that has a bad connotation. We're seeing people get their comeuppance. 
we're seeing some positive change from a really negative situation. And these guys or these people in charge have brought it on themselves. Um, one, I think you touched on a bit, but Brandon Stroud at Uproxx. Yeah. A platform is scrubbed until they can fix it, I'm assuming. Maybe someone else comes in running. But it's scrubbed because of what he did as a person. And rightfully so. Marty Skrull, I think, is going to still be in charge of ROH. But I don't even know. He came out with an apology. To me, that was kind of half-hearted and weak. And cop to saying, yeah, I had sex with someone who was like 16. It's not illegal here. I'm still like, that's pretty fucking creepy. But as my boss, I don't know how it would feel with you being my boss and sleeping with 16-year-olds. And then the litany of other talent who I guess this has been a thing to call 16 and 17-year-old ring rats, invite them back into parties and at the training center and all this shit and just have sex with them because they're 16, 17, 18, and 19 and don't know better. And these grown-ass men are 33, 34, 35. The stories that came out about Joey Ryan are fucking crazy. Talking about someone else who's out of here. Yeah. This is, I mean, dude, this is expected. This was not like a... uh, this was I said this a couple weeks ago. Like pro wrestling is one of the few forms of entertainment that still has a, a lot that hides behind a curtain that people don't really know, and it's the worst kept secret. And dark side of the ring, and when you listen to like Jake the Snake, you listen to all these people, yeah, yo, drugs, sex, like drug, sex, rock and roll, like it was just crazy back there. But people are still doing it today and leveraging their position to to be I guess you could say bigger than what they are if they didn't have that position and that's why they're you know uh, the sexual assaults and rape I mean there's been outright rape dog like this is crazy um and this isn't a situation where you can go I'm sorry and just move on <laughs> this ain't it like this one there has to be consequences and repercussions like if you're out here raping people that that just ain't it if there's sexual assault and advances that are unwelcome, you gotta go, and like, it's kind of, I, I, you know, for a lot of us, like Joey Ryan is like, how how did we not see this shit coming? <laughs> like how did how did we look at Joey Ryan and be like, oh, the guy who like puts baby oil on and sticks lollipops in his crotch and you know had had a <laughs> penis party? Oh my God, I'm so no, I'm not shocked by this at all. But it's just some of these stories, it's, man. It's like, it's it's a lot. Once again, I, I, I keep saying it. There's always two sides to a story, so you, you can't run full bore with every story that you hear. But when the evidence mounts up and it becomes, it turns a, a molehill into a mountain, you gotta address it. And a lot of these wrestlers, you know, they've been in some dirt, and they're gonna have to deal with the consequences. So, yeah, we saw NXT UK got rid of some talent. Uh, we saw, you know, Michael Elgin got released from Impact. Like Tessa Blanchard is out of here on some other shit. But (laughs) the reason why I bring up Tessa Blanchard is this. Could it happen any way worse for Impact? They were like, oh, man, we're about to have the first women's world heavyweight champion. Oh, man, she's calling women the N-word in Japan. (laughs) Like, yo. They move forward, still put the title on her. I don't know. Was she at one title defense? If that. And now, now she's no longer with the company. And I'm sure this... 
this had something to do with it along with their attitude and everything else like man so tessa michael elgin like there's so many people in wrestling that's homophobic pure fucking idiots uh rapists <laughs> <laughs> sexual assault druggies there's so much of that in pro wrestling now with that being said there are a lot of good guys in pro wrestling too good guys and girls they do exist you can't cast the whole industry as this horrible place but it has some despicable people just like the entertainment business the music business pro wrestling sports they all have people who abuse their power so now that this comes out hopefully we have some changes Look, if you're gonna have sex with somebody ask do like Dave Chappelle get the contract get signed because man you can't be risking y'all careers like this for some booty or some penis y'all gotta chill it's a lot it's a lot too much a ton like Joey Ryan is just incredibly dumb he built his gimmick around it yeah hiding it in plain sight though I guess people do this all the time um yeah man it, it's so much the Tessa thing it is odd because yeah it does tie into her not wanting to leave Mexico to work and everything but shit the Tessa comments was going to be a huge part of our wrestling with stereotypes I know show um by the way, when we get back for that shit, oh, so our next show, my lord. Yeah, I've already like I had this conversation. We'll talk about this later in the show, but you know, I was on Meltzer's podcast and had a real open discussion with Meltzer, and I'll go into details about that. Um, you know, I've talked to like Biggie, and I've talked to like Lance Storm DM me today, which is shout out to Lance Storm just to give props for some of the things I've been doing. Super and, um, woke Lance Storm. I love Super woke landstorm, gotta love it. Canadians, yeah. y'all are something else, man. I, I Canadians swear to God. are the shit, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like on the real, if we migrate to Canada, you, if you guys hear that me and Dre are living in Toronto in five years, don't be surprised. The whole Rat Pack damn near might go up there. If they open up a Disneyland, Marcus Vanderberg will meet us there. That's the only thing he's missing, and the, probably the only reason he's still in Cali. Yeah, pretty much. He loves Canada too. But man, there's so many Canadians <laughs> that have just been extremely supportive. But I say that to say this. The next wrestling with stereotypes is, is the one thing that I wanted to make clear when I was on Meltzer's show, when I've done this with other people's shows, is that wrestling with stereotypes was never a reactive thing. It was a proactive thing that we put together to address mm-hmm. stereotypes of race. It wasn't a hot button topic. We did not do this to get paid. We did not do this to get rich. We did this because we saw that there was something happening that was not being addressed in pro wrestling. Now, it just so happens that the things that we've ha- been talking about have become the spotlight of this business so now yeah the next wrestling with stereotypes yeah we built this platform to have these stories told because it was never really about us it was always about everybody else having the opportunity to tell these stories and feeling comfortable to tell them yeah me and kel host it but it ain't about us we're like honestly we're just two pro wrestling fans who have got a platform and we've created opportunities for people to be able to speak openly I didn't do this to get rich. A lot of things, you know, I want to get rich, obviously. But a lot of things I do isn't to get rich. It wasn't a get-rich-quick scheme. So the next pro wrestling with stereotypes, it's going to be big. It is. Because everything that we've talked about is, like, coming all at once. And I hate that it had to happen like this. But, man, I hope that more people are comfortable now telling their stories if they weren't before. There were wrestlers who said no to us because they weren't comfortable. Well, shit. Now's the time. 
Yeah. Now's the time. Now, so hopefully. Now we're living in a place of discomfort. Yeah. So hopefully, whenever you know there's some semblance of normalcy in this country, where we can have a gathering of people, and I said this in the group chat, it's gonna be really weird seeing some people that have been accused or people that I've worked with, or it's gonna be really weird. Everything's gonna be different when we're back out in public. But when we do get the opportunity to do this, I can't wait. Uh, because it's needed, and it's almost like like the, when I was on the New Day podcast, it was almost like a healing session and therapy as much as it was venting. We all need that outlet because a lot of things that happen to us, especially as minorities in this country, and for me, I can only speak from the perspective of a black man in this country, is that I've buried a lot of those feelings for a long time, and even though I speak out against racial injustice and social justice and all these other things, a lot of these stories, I know I bury in the back of my head and I try to forget about them. And I've never really had an outlet to open up about them or a platform And because uh, I'm a very private person. But I know there's other people that are the same way that never really felt like they had the, this, uh, a safe space to talk about these things without somebody booing them or cri- criticizing them or critiquing them. That's all we want to do is give you all an open venue to venture frustrations. Now, the last thing I'll say about wrestling with stereotypes before we go to break is that we're not going to be able to have everybody on that show. I've been contacted by a lot of people already. And, yeah, in order for wrestling stereotypes to keep going, we can't have a billion people on the show all at once. So these stories are going to be rolled out. You know, like I want to focus on a show that's clearly focused on women. I want to do a show that's clearly focused on the Latino community. And that's focused on the Asian community. And that's focused on uh, gay and trans uh, pro wrestling fans and pro wrestlers. Like, I want to have very focused conversations. Like, the one that we did in August was really a catch-all. But I want to continue to have these conversations because everything needs the attention that it deserves. And not everything is getting the attention that it deserves. No, I agree. Um, One day, because this shit is... And no doubt when we started this that, like you said, it wasn't for money, it was for anything. It was to provide a platform for people to speak openly. I have no doubt, and I had no doubt, that it was going to catch on. One day, four or five years from now, when we're doing this shit regularly, like wrestling with stereotypes is its own thing, and we do it for all sports, and we have this huge platform to talk about these things, one day we're going to go back and we're going to tell the story, the full story of the first one. (laughs) And... (laughs) And how crazy it was. Because people, if anyone for any reason thinks we did this for money, they will find it hilarious how we had to pull off the first one. Oh, yeah. And, like, doing it for a profit. Shit, we're trying to do it to not take a loss. (laughs) We're not even worried about making one. We're trying not to lose one. Like, we're trying to get enough money to do it. That was a crazy couple of weeks. Um, But, no, man, like I said, you, you hit it all on the head. Can't wait for it. Can't wait to continue these discussions. You guys have to wait until after this break, because when we come back, we are talking pro wrestling, the nuts and bolts of it, talking about AEW, NXT, and the main roster. You guys don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. All right, we'll get back to the show in a second, but first, there is no shortage of action going on at our exclusive partners, betonline.ag. Sports are slowly making their way back, and Bet Online is leading the way with the best odds and lines for all UFC, NASCAR, boxing, and soccer matches. And if you need even more, they have simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC simulations all day, every day, live on their website. 
So looking for something else other than sports, BetOnline has hundreds of casino games, poker tournaments, and prop bets to check out. Visit BetOnline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE for a free welcome bonus. That's one word, BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. Just that quick, we are back. And like we said before the break, we have to dive into actual pro wrestling. So um, it's hard to, you know, kind of transition from what we were talking about before, but we will try. And I will try by doing so. Dre, I hit a milestone. And I posted on Facebook because I didn't want it all all over all social media platforms. But I am now part of the ESPN WWE Power Rankings Committee and voting every week and you know what the first thing I said was out loud to myself they don't fucked up now <laughs> <laughs> I looked at everyone else's list and I was like my rankings is are just so different from all of their rankings Randy Orton was almost universally number one I think in the end he came in number two do you know why that is because I ranked his ass seventh Who'd you wait? And I, <laughs> I regret Who'd you nothing. Number one, Oscar's my number one. Oscar number one in the power. Oscar's rankings. power rankings, main roster only. Mm. Oscar's number one. They made me combine Bailey and Sasha Banks because I had Bailey at, I had Bailey at five, Sasha at three. They made me combine them, so they were both at three. Interesting. Yeah, but I was like, yo, I know how Dre feels when he votes for these UFC panels. One, I'm officially old. Now that I've been included on this, I always looked at it like, man, this is such an old man Andreas thing to do. He's out here voting weekly and shit. He's an esteemed member of the community. It's like, no one's ever going to ask me to vote on these things. Ha, I was wrong. (laughs) Yo, um, yeah, you've arrived. I don't know who the I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily say that Oscar's number one. And you know how much I love Oscar. Yeah, I'm fucking up lists on the regular. Um, I see. No, Drew Drew Mack was my number two. He ended up being number one overall due to my my rankings. That makes. I'm sense. pretty sure I'm the only one that ranked Orton out of the top three. I could see why Orton is ranked so high because those the promos he's been cutting have been excellent. The work he's been doing as, as a focus Randy Orton has been excellent. My problem with Oscar isn't necessarily Oscar, which we'll start talking about when we talk about Raw. It's the kind of, it's not even the way she's been handled, it's the way that Charlotte has been handled that's kind of messed up where Oscar's standing is. But you can't blame Oscar for that. Actually, I, mean, I would this is what power I would argue are that No okay, that is power rankings. So my justification, because we had to write little blurbs, and for Oscar I put, she gets the top spot because she was finally able to overcome Charlotte on Raw. She's taken yeah. her momentum from Money in the Bank, being awarded the title, and the title hasn't slipped, even though Becky was on top of the world and her departure. She has managed to dispatch some of the biggest threats on the roster in less than one month of having the title. And now she's going against Sasha Banks. And finally, the one thing she couldn't do, she was undefeated for years, she's held every title, Grand Slam champion, she couldn't beat Charlotte, and she finally did this past week. That gets her number one. All right, let's do this. Might as well just talk about Raw. <laughs> yeah. So, 
here, we'll talk about that match first. Before we talk about Dolph Ziggler magically appearing and challenging uh, Drew McIntyre. Randomly gets a title shot. Fucking ridiculous. But <laughs> the Oscar thing, the issue with the Oscar thing is that she didn't really beat Charlotte. Charlotte oh, was... She beat her. Char- Charlotte is the... Charlotte is the most protected pro wrestler on the roster now that Roman Reigns is gone. By a country mile. The most protected. Because the only way Asuka was able to beat her is because Nia Jax injured her earlier in the show. And that storyline was played up all through that match. So when Charlotte finally tapped as a means to depart for elective surgery, that was the only way that Asuka could beat her clean. That, for me, that hurts Asuka because, one, Asuka should just beat her clean. And maybe it shouldn't be on a random episode of Raw, but if Charlotte's going to depart, so be it. But to compromise Charlotte in a way that that means it's the only way that Asuka can win is lame. And that hurts Asuka more than anything else. Because that's not a clean win. It sucks, but Charlotte is so incredibly protected. Because how many times has she lost she in, like the past, in the past year? She doesn't lose much at all. But when she does... No. She like, lost clean to Bailey two months ago. When she was NXT champion, she challenged Bailey on SmackDown. Um, champion versus champion. And lost clean to Bailey. There was no was belts a, on the line. Lost clean. clean. I can't remember. Clean was is it? a sheet. Bailey kicked okay. Sasha to the back. She told Sasha to stay backstage. Okay. That, Bailey see, beat her that, clean as a sheet. That's the only one I can remember, maybe in three years. Because even before then, it's been only triple threats that she's lost. Right. Like, at WrestleMania, she didn't lose that match. Becky beat Ronda. No. Yeah, and then before then, Asuka lost, and it was a triple threat ladder match to get... Or excuse me, Asuka won the belt, but it was a triple threat ladder match between Asuka, Charlotte, and Becky. It, it's it's so. It's always ridiculous. some type of trios match. NXT, the three way match. Like everything's a different way to get the belt off her. I, I, like I, I can't. I don't even know if I blame Charlotte. I don't know how much leverage she has backstage. But the fact that she couldn't put over Oscar clean is a problem. Now, if they want to set up a storyline where they have a Nia Jax Charlotte angle upon Charlotte's return, they could have did this shit after the match. They didn't have to do it during like before the match. Like, Nia injured Charlotte, and they played that up. That hurts Asuka. So, in essence, Bailey should actually be higher than Asuka in the power rankings. Because nobody's beaten Bailey. I don't think Bailey's lost. This is a crazy stat. Bailey hasn't lost in like six months. And Drew McIntyre hasn't lost since November 2019. Which is a reason why he's champion. So. Like, the power rankings, I don't know, like, what you guys use. Is it just in-ring performance? Is it the promo ability? No, no, is promo. Hot- um, so it's, like, you have to be on somewhat of a general streak as well. Okay. Like, you, you just can't be, like, I can't throw Cesaro in out the blue because he's a great wrestler. It's well, yeah, but picking back not- up to be weekly, mm-hmm. so you have to judge it in the moment. And But this... We had paused it due to the Rona, and this is why they added me because they're picking it back up. So it was paused for three months. Yeah. So I could pretty much take everything from Mania to now to judge, and then now I do it accordingly. Yeah. See, it's crazy because if that was the case, like Charlotte, 
would be almost damn near the top of the power rankings. So she's been on three goddamn shows and winning. It's just, it's ridiculous. And it, this is not an indictment on the power rankings. It's just the way that, that Charlotte has been handled that hurts other wrestlers. Like, yeah. we'll talk about NXT, but like Rhea Ripley's in a feud with Aaliyah. Like, word? Um, <laughs> so, yeah, that, that aspect of Raw, it, like that whole situation was messy. They could have found a better way to write Charlotte off the show. I guess they feel like, hey, let's do Oscar a bone, and she's finally beat Charlotte. But no, it's it's a compromise, Charlotte. So it's not the same thing. And it could also be something where when Charlotte comes back, she says, "You didn't beat me, and I got in the way." Yada yada yada, triple threat or whatever, what have you. But goddamn, can Oscar beat this woman clean, please? I t- like, we talked about this like three weeks ago. The horsewomen only put over a fellow horsewomen. Clean is that's it. Because Charlotte's only really lost clean to Sasha and Bailey. If somebody, and I don't know if she and Becky. Those are the only three people that I can recall that she's lost clean to since moving up to the main roster. And I know people will say Carmella, but that was the Iconics jumping Charlotte. She was compromised. I'm talking about one-on-one, <laughs> straight-up, no shenanigans, beat her. Bailey, Sasha, Becky, the end. That's crazy. That's it. Horsewomen, they run everything. We say this all the time. But, yeah, it's they are the top. It's crazy because they're not a real faction on television, but we all know they're a faction. They are the top faction in professional wrestling. They are the clique. no one is, no one is book stronger. They are. They are the female clique. They are Sean Hunter, Diesel, and Razor. Yeah, I don't know how messy the politics are, but in terms of, of Sasha power? left for six months. I'm sure the politics aren't great. Yeah, she was upset that she had to give up a belt that she was the first ever to hold. Arguably, that was created for her. And she was willing to sit out six months for that when other people can't be on TV. So I'm sure the politics come in the way sometimes. So yeah, so that, <laughs> so yeah, so that was the first thing. Then let's talk about this Dolph Ziggler Drew McIntyre thing. Like, I the match itself, I actually like. In a vacuum, I say this all the time. Yeah. In a vacuum, I like this match. But how we got here, it makes no sense to me. Like, how the hell do we just? We're just, we're I'm just not sure Dolph has won a match. Yeah, I don't think Dolph has won a match in two years. Uh, okay, I, yeah. A year he and a half. I, see, he couldn't I beat can't. Otis. He Why couldn't beat he? Otis. <laughs> Who's basically vanished. What did I tell you guys about Otis? Otis is like basically <laughs> vanished from SmackDown. But we'll get to that later. But um, Dolph, couldn't they just have Dolph win a couple matches? Because Extreme Rules, the horror show, holy shit. Oh, um, we'll get to that. <laughs> yeah, we'll get to that. But so much to get to. <laughs> they they could have found a way to get there where it makes it, at least a number one contender match. Do something that makes me feel like, oh, he's kind of earned it. Because everybody knows, well, most people know, Dolph Ziggler is going to give Drew McIntyre a hell of a match. We know this already. Yep. But just give me a reason to care. There's no way in the hell I could possibly think that Dolph Ziggler is going to beat Drew McIntyre. It's ridiculous. It's beyond ridiculous. Um, how did Dolph Ziggler get to Raw? Uh, he was the, the that piece when AJ Styles he was, was the trade? traded. Yeah, he was future okay. considerations. Okay. That that makes him feel real special. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like you're not even like a real person. You're future considerations. <laughs> considerations. Uh, the Yankees throw in like 18th rounders in those. Um, yeah. And it's Dolph yeah, Ziggler. So, uh, yeah. It's going to be a good match. My problem is because I got again got to keep the same energy all the way around. I've 
I don't want to say crush, but I've nitpicked at AEW for their handling of Moxley as champion. Only because, only thing I got to gripe with, is that they burned through feud after feud after feud in one month, like, intervals, right? And you're running through contenders in the roster. They are now doing the same thing for Drew Mack. Yeah. Because that Lashley thing had legs. It wasn't over. Thank you. I, I was waiting for you to say it. That Lashley feud, it didn't feel like it was over. It what was. M- MVP was just hitting his stride. You were just building some type of real faction and making Lashley feel good. You just changed his finisher to be devastating. Let him crush a bunch of people on Raw. He loses once to McIntyre and is done. Dude, this is extreme rules, right? Extreme This is what I hate, one, about theme pay-per-views. <laughs> You know how I feel about this. But two, (laughs) this is what I also hate because you have a theme pay-per-view, use it. For this, not for a goddamn horror show and a a cinematic match, but if if Bobby Lashley and Drew McIntyre are embroiled into a blood feud based off of this rivalry, which you can continue to build, then you can have an Extreme Rules type of match at a pay-per-view called Extreme Rules. Otherwise, you're just having a match. And that's exactly what we're doing here. We're just having a match that you can do on Raw next week. Because there's no build. There's no extreme matches on Extreme Rules. Not yet. I'm sure there'll be one eventually, but no, you're absolutely right. There's not. For no, for no reason. So it's just, that was the opportunity. Carry it on. Establish Lashley as someone who can come in and out of the main event picture. Instead, one month, uh, something's interesting. You know what? Let's just go on to the next thing. They're, they're burning through feuds for no apparent reason. And all it's going to do is get you to the point where Drew McIntyre has to lose. Exactly. Because when he goes against, maybe not Samoa Joe. Samoa Joe would be a great feud for him. If that's just a one-off, I'm throwing some at my TV. Yeah, not, not the best one up top. Yeah, like, but one of the bottom ones, I'll throw some shit through that. But if you're going to get to a point where he's going against a heel Seth Rollins or for any reason, if Kevin Owens turns heel again, Kevin Owens, and he should win neither of those. Man. You're bur- they're burning through it fast. It's, it's, a, it's bad because it makes me feel like on some level they may be considering Brock coming back. That's fair. I Because cause you have to have a big match at SummerSlam, right? But okay, good point. It feels like they How always do you keep Randy Orton out of that match. Ah, dog, I don't know. An established veteran who has all this momentum, the best match ever. You you just built Randy Orton to be this mega heel. He actually cares again. How do you keep him out of contention? Why wouldn't he want to be champion on your brand? Why would that make sense? I mean, because the WWE doesn't make sense, dog. We know what this is. <laughs> it doesn't make any. None of this stuff makes sense. And like, if he goes up against Randy Orton, you're telling me Drew McIntyre with equal traction, who earns more money, who has more eyes, who's been having the better matches, even though McIntyre's matches are good. I would argue for the first time in a long time, probably since that Wyatt shit that Randy Orton did, which was great, and he built that and they actually cared. For the first time again, I'm like, Randy should probably hold the title. I mean, uh, if he cares, because Randy's a guy who doesn't necessarily need it. He's no. reached that status. No, no. But yes, but fans may it. You're building it into where it might be necessary. Yeah, and, and and we're at a point where an Orton versus McIntyre feud could be really good, considering that Edge is now on the shelf. Now, 
granted we're not entirely sure how long which leads me to my next thing yo edge's promos are so good they're so <laughs> good and watching the in-home this, promo was great man this this whole thing talking about you know christian jay is my brother and you got the rated r superstar back like i'm watching this and i'm like one i really can appreciate these with no fans Nobody yelling what or saying something stupid, <laughs> like just letting it rip. And these promos between Orton and Edge have been exceptional. And this one in particular was great. So I know once Edge does come back, I don't know how you go from losing the greatest wrestling match of all time. I have no idea what's next. I mean, to me, I always say what well, the only thing that's left is like a Hell in a Cell match or it's three, three stages of Hell. Something to that degree is the only thing I can figure that is left. But it feels like the stakes need to be extraordinarily high for that match, which makes you wonder, does Randy get his hands on the title and find a way to get Edge one last title run? Very possible, but I think Drew is so good right now. I can't see them take, well, I can't see it happening, but they shouldn't take the title off of him until we get this run with fans present. He's just really good. And the crazier thing is, when I thought Drew was good as a heel, he's not. He's really good as a babyface. Aside from the countdown, because he has crap, an edge, yeah, yeah, he has an edge. It's it's like it's believable. He's likable, so it's like mm-hmm. he's naturally likable. Like I said, with the exception of him counting down the claymore, which grinds my nerves sometimes, but whatever. Everything else about <laughs> Drew is really good, and I want to see it happen in front of fans. I don't want him to drop this title on some random show with no fans there. I don't want to see that. You happen. know, you know why you feel like that now is because they've given him legit heels to face. Yeah. That's the other thing. For a long time, it was Brock Lesnar and then some people just kind of acting like heels. Or a bunch of chicken shit heels. Even Rollins in his first run, just super chicken shit heel. Now you have heels that actually feel like heels. And are somewhat of a threat. And so Drew is now believable as a powerhouse babyface. Because being a powerhouse babyface against chicken shit heels just makes you seem like a bully. Now it's yeah, worthy no. to be a powerhouse babyface. So that, that's helped him out a ton. Um, I guess this is how we go through uh, Raw and the main roster stuff this week. I had Bailey at three. We talked about Bailey. Bailey and Sasha at three. Sasha, this week, is going to wrestle Io Shirai. And then, I think it's next weekend, not this week. And then the following weekend is going to wrestle Asuka at the pay-per-view. Oh, and probably on Friday, she'll defend her tag team titles. It's hard to say, right now, there's a better female wrestler in the world than Sasha Banks. This moment. And I mean, it'll be harder next week. There's Asuka, and there's Io Shirai, in fairness. Well, we'll see. Now, now we're going to see. I I don't want to get my expectations too high, but it, it's, hard to, it's hard not to. Especially on the NXT end. NXT end, Trips is going to give her whatever time she wants. They go 45 if they want to. They At this great American bash. Oh, God. We'll talk about We're not, we're not but, there yet, man. I don't want to do Yeah, but, uh, but I, I think she's the best in the world. Oh, and by the way, talks that WWE is looking at Tessa Blanchard. Yeah, read the room. That's not a good idea right now. No. Talent-wise, my God. Yeah, talent-wise, yes, but you had her. 
<laughs> like you had her. She was in the Mae Young Classic. Yeah. 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 But that's like saying they had uh, Zack Sabre Jr. No, no, no. They, or Kota Ibushi. Like, they were in the no. CWC. Like. No, but it, like Kota Ibushi was going, like, they didn't, they had an opportunity to get their hands on Kota Ibushi. And maybe if they made a large enough offer. Tessa wasn't Tessa in the Mae Young Classic. She was good. But then she just went through the roof. Yeah. Because we all knew she had talent. She was one of those diamonds in the rough. Like, you saw her. She was still young. And you're like, oh, yeah, she can go. And she lost in the first round. It's like, cool. Figure out something to keep Tessa Blanchard on the roster. And they didn't. They didn't. Mm-hmm. Coda was established. So it was pretty much like Coda. Like, he showed up at a uh, takeover. Remember he was in the crowd? They had an opportunity. Yeah. I feel like they may have flubbed in some way financially. Fair. I I can't necessarily blame them for not getting Coda, but I can blame them for not finding a way to get Tessa Blanchard. And I believe at that time Tessa was dating Ricochet. Yep. They could, there's an in there. But Ricochet somewhere. wasn't there yet. No, I'm just saying. But they had their eyes on him. So yeah. either way, like yeah, the Tessa thing is like, eh, stay away from it right now. Probably not a good idea. But when we talk about no. the best women's wrestler, I personally. I'm, you know, I'm biased to Asuka. That's just how I feel. I think Asuka's the best. But I, I, Io Shirai is also really, really good. So Sasha wrestling both of them, it's, I think it's just going to be like rapper's delight. Like we're just going to love this. It's, it's just going to be yeah. some. It should be some excellent matches. As long as there's no screwy ass booking, this is going to be some good wrestling. And kudos to NXT and the WWE for putting Sasha in a position to show off without being the champion yet. Yep. I wonder Yet. if they're going to get all the gold. <laughs> yeah. What? Oh, we'll get there, I guess. Woo. Figure her yeah, I know it'd be crazy, but you can never... It's the horsewomen, dog. Never know. That's very true. And then uh, we have AJ Styles I put at four, which is higher than anyone else had him. Um, But he's AJ Styles. So, what the hell do you want? Put Randy Orton at five. Bray Wyatt is at six for me. How? He ended up eight overall or nine on their list. Um, he's at six for me because SmackDown is bearable when Bray Wyatt is there. He went on a six-week maternity leave, and I couldn't watch the show. And then they tricked me this week to get me to watch and put him on last. But I watched because he's there. And I like the multiple personalities. I like the return of Riverboat Bray. I don't know where they're going with this match. I don't like Braun in his position. He's not on my top ten. But I I love what Bray brings to the character, the character development. He's not wrestling. I love all the promos. It's just perfect. Yeah. He's six. It's not time to talk about SmackDown. It's all hope that. No, we got no but time. We're jumping in and out as All we right. go through people. Fine. You want to talk about it? Let's talk about it. Bray Wyatt hasn't done anything since beating John Cena. In which wasn't even a match. I can't put him that high. Even though SmackDown you can say is bearable, it's really not. Because Braun's still champion. And yes, Bray Wyatt is a good promo. That's only half of the equation. We haven't seen him really wrestle. I mean, no. Yeah, he hasn't done anything as the Fiend. I'm sorry. He lost to... Braun Strowman I was about in to say, yeah. relatively nothing match. But he's yeah, he's great to, to watch do promos, but I need I need a match. I need a match that I actually enjoy. 
Like, when is the last really good Bray Wyatt, Fiend, Riverboat, I don't give a damn who he is, uh, Bray Wyatt? Like, when is, when have we had a really good Bray Wyatt match? I can't put him that high. Oh, I don't know. Last really, really good Bray Wyatt match, which, I mean, there's very few and far between in terms of matches. The last really, really good one was him, Daniel Bryan, in that, like, leather strap match. Yeah, that was really... That was a really good match. In ring. So, so on this, Um, though... And then before then, Randy Orton... Real quick. Randy Orton, um, Brody Lee, Bray Wyatt was the match before then. That was really good, and Brody Lee should have won. Long time ago. On this note, as an aside... We are going to really have to have a conversation where Daniel Bryan falls on the greatest wrestlers of all time. The injury hurt. I'm thinking about this a lot lately. Because, like, I was watching, I I think I mentioned in in our group chat, I was watching for the first time since we were there, Daniel Bryan versus Kofi Kingston at WrestleMania. And I was so caught up in the moment of us being there, I didn't really pay attention to how good this match was. And I watched it. This first time in over a year. And I was like, oh, my God, this was a really, really good match. And then I started thinking, Daniel Bryan was on the PWIs. He was the number one wrestler when he was in Ring of Honor, I believe, two to three years in a row. One of the only wrestlers to ever do this back-to-back. He showed up in NXT as the Miz's guy. And, like, he complete dweeb type of character. They had no idea what to do with Daniel Bryan. But he got fired for, I believe, choking Justin Roberts with a tie as part of Nexus. Came back a house of fire at SummerSlam as part of John Cena's team against the Nexus. Uh, Won Money in the Bank, cashed in, became a heel, created the Yes movement off of much more than anything else. Fans revolting against the booking because we know how good he was against Sheamus when he got kicked in the face in three seconds as a heel. As a heel, yep. fans revolted. Then he has an unbelievable match with John Cena at SummerSlam when he wins the title, but gets double-crossed by Triple H. And this begins the Yes movement. He the, the, the talking smack with The Miz, this Kofi thing, the heel run with the, the, uh, the hemp belt, the putting Drew Gulak over, and this is just WWE stuff. I'm not even talking about all the matches with Nigel McGuinness and ROH. We have to talk about You skipped how, over some, like, him CM Punk match that was just fucking ridiculous. Again, uh, what pay-per-view um, was that at? Uh, was it Against All Odds? Something like that. Uh, it was something crazy, like a really random offshoot pay-per-view above, where uh, they had, the like, limit. 18 over minutes. Over the limit. And I was just like, yo, this shit is really good. And it was just straight technical wrestling. Yes, that was it was over the limit after they had both won the titles and... Yeah, that was really good. So it's like as much as we talk about, and I agree with this, that CM Punk really busted down the doors for a lot of the the independent team to get attention. Daniel Bryan like really was the guy who showed up and continued to go against everything that the WWE stood for and found a way to continue to get over. Then he gets injured and comes back and is still an excellent wrestler putting people over. Because... As we all know, Kofi Kingston was never the plan for WrestleMania. And I'll talk about this while I was on the show with Meltzer. Meltzer reported that the original plan was Kevin Owens to be in that match with Daniel Bryan. Babyface Kevin Owens versus heel Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania. 
Kofi was just there. There was no plans for him to be at WrestleMania, but Kofi caught fire, and the person who said, let's do this, was Daniel Bryan. Like, we have to have a conversation about this man. I know we always... Dude, he is... Beyond a, being a phenomenal wrestler who has overcome adversity due to his injuries, but even before that, being a man who really put Ring of Honor on the mat, and guys like Nigel McGuinness and guys like Samoa, like all those guys have come one way or another through Daniel Bryan. He shows up against all odds in the WWE as an undersized technical wrestler and becomes a superstar that creates a yes movement that didn't just take the WWE by storm, but took the world by storm. We got to have this conversation. We talk about guys, people, because somebody said, like, The Undertaker, where he's falling in Mount Rushmore. And I was like, yeah, this is a cool conversation, but there's a there's a, a, a first half of Undertaker's career that was straight basura. Like, that shit was trash. And the character was great, but the matches were, eh, whatever. He, he got yeah. a, a few here and there, but Daniel Bryan's never really had bad matches. Never. And the dude's been in the business forever. We got to have this conversation. You like Daniel Bryan so much, and it's not a knock, but the best comparison is Bret Hart. Daniel Bryan is this generation's Bret Hart, where not only is he arguably the best wrestler of his time, wildly technical, undersized for his time, which Bret wasn't small, but he wasn't a big guy in his time. He was small. I mean, they really, they called him small. Him and Shawn no, Michaels were small. No, yeah, he was, but in, in terms, Shawn is small. Brett today wouldn't be small. But yeah, in his time, he was small. Daniel Bryan is small in his time. But they were always willing to put someone else over. They made sure that the other person looked like a million bucks in every match. And that was about to be my, my, my final point, was that you just mentioned, that's what made me think of it. You mentioned Bray Wyatt. Yeah, it was because of Daniel Bryan. Like, The Fiend against yeah. Daniel Bryan. It was Daniel Bryan. Like, it was Daniel Bryan making everybody look like a million bucks. Every time. Daniel Bryan faced Brock Lesnar, and people were like, holy shit, it's a great match. Daniel Bryan, if he yep. wrestled Braun Strowman right now, he'd make Braun Strowman look like a million bucks. Daniel Bryan, it's strange because he's so small, but he's so good that somehow he still makes the matches believable. It's ridiculous. That was a crazy aside that took up a lot of time, but I had to mention it because <laughs> it's been eating at me because I was watching that Kofi match, and I was like, good Lord, he's he's great. And then I went back and watched some ROH stuff, and I was like, yeah, man, this... This, this guy was the best wrestler on the planet. Period. Bar none. I would have put him on my list, but he's on paternity leave. So, again, like, <laughs> he's on leave. What are you... Like, Charlotte's not on my list. He's getting a surgery. Um, and I... Well, Sasha and Bailey was combined. Seth Rollins, because I still like Seth's work. Um, I don't know. He kind of needs AOP back, though. Yeah, the, I like the, the Messiah's work. It, it's cool. It, it's weird, right. because... You want the Austin Theory Wesley Blake thing to mean more than it has. It just hasn't had the same momentum without AOP, and that's strange. Yeah, even who is though Seth feuding with uh, Ray Mysterio. Ray Mysterio. Yeah, I, d I don't like this feud. What happened to Aleister Black? I, I feel like. Well, I mean, you know, Ray got his eye poked out. So if anybody's got a bone to pick, it's the guy who's <laughs> <laughs> blinded in one eye. But I don't need them to put over young Ray. Like, send him the NXT. Like, he's going to immediately jump with no wrestling experience to the main roster and just become his dad? I I think it's setting up the kid for too much. Personally. I'm, so I, I, 
I see, don't I don't know. I don't know where where that that falls because I think the optics are more interesting than anything else. Because Ray's son is a goddamn giant, and every time he comes out there, I'm like, look, it's Cain Velasquez, and it's not. And I think that it makes sense how this is all being handled. I like this feud as a mid card feud. I really like this. I like I like all of this because um, obviously Wesley Blake and Alistair Black have history. There's a lot there. Um, and Rollins is really good in this role. I just, I don't know. We're going to have to see how all this plays out because I still think Raw is the better show than SmackDown. Um, I just want to see where this all ends up. One, one thing I do want to jump to because I, I know none of them are on your, your power rankings list because tag teams, nobody gives a shit. But this Viking Raider Street Profits thing, like, it just kind of has been meandering along, and they had this match, and the Street Profits won clean, which was like so. But then Angel Garza and Andrade are back together like nothing went wrong. And on his face, I'm like, this is actually really good. Yep. Because Garza and Andrade as a tag team to face the Street Profits, that's fun. Because they're good. Don't break them up. I said this before. Don't break them up. Don't break them up. They're really, not right now at least. Angel Garza looks like he's a superstar in the making. But yeah. as of right Again, now, he should Andrade. be tagging with his cousin, and Andrade should be going after a higher title, but whatever. Garza might jump. Yeah, They're both I mean, really this, good. Is, this is where we're at. Yeah. I it. just. They're good. The reason they I should be tag champions. Because I know they're not on they, your list. Well, yeah, because I feel like. I don't, I don't want to say they've necessarily completely squandered this title opportunity for the Street Fight Profits, but they kind of have. Like, it, it just... It's it should, too it should, Yeah, it's too... It's just goofy as hell. Like, the the Profit Raiders, the, whatever the hell they're calling themselves, yeah. I don't care. It's just not... It's not fun. It's not... Somehow we have ninjas. Oh, God. I mean, I'm not a little kid. Maybe little kids like that shit. I don't, I don't know. I find it hard to believe, but maybe this is for, like, the 6 through 12 age demographic. I don't know who this is for. Maybe they think it's funny. For. It ain't for me. It ain't for me. And then um, just to finish off the main roster, just a couple of other people to talk about, I'm guessing. Apollo Crews. I love it. Him, MVP. Him becoming a little bit more edgy. And is it me? Or is he starting to learn how to cut promos? Yeah, man, I mean... But I, I like no. his promos lately. Like, him and MVP have good work. Yeah. I think the, the most important thing for Apollo Crews, and again, this is something I talked about on Meltzer's podcast, you look at Apollo Crews and Triple H champion him, and you look at him, and he looks like a million bucks. Right? But you made mm-hmm. him the smiling baby face, and you never really gave him time to, to invest in the character. And, you know, I, say what you want, but Apollo Crews growing a beard helps his character immensely. I don't know what it is, but beards help. And he looks, you know, edgier, scrappier. Like, his matches are going to be good. Uha Nation can wrestle in the indie scene. But you got to give him time with the promos. And you got to give him something that works. They spent so much time doing nothing with Apollo Crews. Like, he'd just be losing matches. And then he cut promos with Chad Gable. It just didn't make any goddamn sense. Oh, I'm sorry, Shorty G. It just didn't make any <laughs> sense whatsoever. This they got to scrap that. Like, this, this with MVP... I get it. It makes sense. And then he wrestles, and you're like, oh, yeah, he can wrestle too. So, yeah, keep this title on him for a while as well. I doubt they will, but we'll see. And uh, my last one, 10th place, was Matt Riddle. Damn, already? I loved his debut. They, yeah, they made it feel big. I loved his debut. 
Um, the whole roster cheered for him. And it was Matt Riddle versus AJ Styles. He beat AJ Styles. Yes. <laughs> yes, I put him at 10. Why not? I, I think they made him feel like a big deal. Yeah, I wouldn't. That was, be- that was before he's going to drop out of top 10. Because we'll talk about what the hell did they do with SmackDown this week? I understand half the roster caught the Rona. Damn near. Like, right? There's a lot of Rona cases. I get it. Some people had to stay home. But then you just have everyone beat up on Corbin? Yeah, I mean, they were... This is their own fault. But it's hard to, to, to record, you know, because they were in the midst of recording, like, two weeks' worth of SmackDown and Raw when this came up. So now when you don't know who's got it and who's not, it's really hard to plan for the show. So instead, they did this whole tribute to Undertaker, which is really weird because I watched The Last Ride, and I didn't leave going, oh, yeah, it's over for Undertaker. I left going, Vince calls him, he's going to be back. And now we're like, the, all these outlets are reporting that Undertaker is done wrestling. I'm not buying it, guys. Maybe I'm totally wrong. But I have a feeling that he he may come back again. So anyway, we got this this long thank you, Taker thing. And it was really, it was weird because it was almost revisionist history in some places. One place in particular was Jeff Hardy. When they were talking about Undertaker putting Jeff Hardy on the map. And I was like, yeah. no. Uh, TLC put Jeff Hardy on the map. Him being a fucking maniac put him on the map. If you want to say, as a singles wrestler, him wrestling Undertaker and pushing him to the limits made him more of an established star as a singles performer, I'm fine with that. But let's not act like nobody knew who Jeff Hardy was until The Undertaker wrestled him. That's ridiculous. Like, Undertaker... Yeah, I thought they meant by, like, singles action. Yeah, maybe they did. And maybe I just read it wrong. But I just felt like when they, like, they were beating me over the head with, like, what Undertaker's done. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he said, Jeff Hardy, I was like, no, no. Because we all remember TLC. Like, that's... For, for I mean, we all remember the Hardys. The Hardys, the Dudleys, and Edge and Christian is what made Jeff Hardy. Right? And then he became, like, a single star. And then he became a champion. And then he had a few with CM Punk, which was really good. And then he had like this match with Undertaker that everybody remembers, and it was it was good. It was a really good match. I, I'm not doubting that. I just felt like I was watching this thing, and I was like, man, it's a lot of lip service for the Undertaker. And maybe that's the part of me that says, man, it's a lot of lip service for a guy that wears nothing but like Blue Lives Matter and toe the line and all this bullshit. So maybe I'm a little biased in that sense because it's it drove me nuts how in everything in the last ride I saw Undertaker with something, some kind of cop propaganda. And towing the line, it was almost utterly ridiculous. So maybe my bias was coming out. And if that is the case, I'm not sorry. <laughs> no, that's fair. Not wrong with that. Um, I don't. Man, everything has to play out over these next two weeks, right? Because it's a stupid horror show. <laughs> it sounds ridiculous saying it. <laughs> it is ridiculous. It doesn't even sound good. It is. Um, but this Undertaker thing and having to slow down, it, it throws even a wrench in the horror show. Okay, what writer thought, like, you know what? Fucking genius. We're going to call it the horror show. Vince McMahon. It's not October. Like, what? Why did this happen? No, it might be duh. cheesier in October. There's just no rhyme or reason. They're, dude, they're really... For, like, just call the pay-per-view a horror show. It's extreme yeah. rules. Like, why are you doing this? Just call the pay-per-view horror show. Like, don't... Something. And even that's don't, bad. It is, but it's not extreme rules. Horror show. Like, it, it sounds like a really bad... 
season of uh, that fucking what is it? American Horror Story. American Horror Story pro wrestling yeah. season. Pro wrestling season. Like Vince was just binge watching his shit like last week. He was like, you know what, brother, we're all right. Get him on the phone. He calls the writer, Bruce. It's the horror show. <laughs> Bruce is just like, what the fuck? <laughs> it's just like, all right, we gotta go with it. It's the horror show. Yeah. Whatever. I, know, I, 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 this is how I picture a lot of shit getting booked. You know, on the note of the horror show, um, I guess I'll talk about it now. So, real quick. So, I, I was on Melissa's podcast talking about race and pro wrestling. We talked about Kofi's run. We talked about Biggie. Why he's not a bigger superstar. Which everybody, I think there is going to be a reckoning for Biggie to get pushed as a single star. This is getting out of control. Yes. Yeah, he's I, he's we, next. We're friends. Yes. I'm, I'm, but I've been saying this before me and Biggie were friends. That guy has it. From the, the look to the promos to everything else, there is no reason why this man hasn't had a true singles run yet. So we talked about that. We talked about Kofi. Um, Dave, the, the interesting thing was, you know, I know there's a lot of people that don't like Dave Meltzer. And he's blocked you on Twitter, Kel. I was um, about to say, it got shit against him. He just blocked me because I asked him <laughs> why he gave something 18 million stars. I guess he didn't take... <laughs> Take kindly to my comment. So, to Dave's credit, and more so, uh, especially to Garrett, who's the guy who reached out to me to do this, um, Dave, before we started, was very open in saying that this was something that I basically had a blind spot with with race and pro wrestling. I knew it existed, I knew it was an issue, but I never really knew what to what degree race as a social construct overall. And how it bleeds into wrestling. So Dave was like, I'm listening to learn from you. And for one, that was flattering to hear. Because Dave Meltzer, you ain't got to listen to me. But two, it was also to say, he was admitting, he was like, I don't know. And he was mentioning um, a tweet that MVP posted. Where MVP said, uh, you know, when you, white people, get pulled over by the police, you worry about, oh, I'm getting a ticket. That's not what we worry about. Oh, I might die. And Dave said that hit him in a way. He was like, I couldn't imagine living my life in fear of that. And I was like, well, Dave, we're not necessarily in fear. This is just how we're wired now. Like the the conversations that I got to have with my family and my niece and my nephew and eventually my daughter. I'm not necessarily scared, but I'm setting them up to know like you're going to be treated different without telling them that they're going to be treated differently. So I'm like, I'm hardening their shell now because my shell's been hardened. So when I do get pulled over, yeah, I'm worried about what the cops happen. But you know what usually happens? I get mad as shit when I see the police. I'm not scared. I'm mad. And this is something that we've learned to deal with. So we talked about that a lot. Um, and we talked about uh, why certain wrestlers haven't been pushed. And one question, I can't, I think it was a Garrett question, was... Br- White pro wrestlers adopting gimmicks from black people, black culture. And immediately I thought about John Cena. But he was like, no, he, he talked about Hogan and superstar Billy Graham and how they all borrowed from Muhammad Ali. And yeah. why couldn't a black wrestler ever do this? And I was like, that's a damn good question. And Amer- like pro re- so this is all this to say. This is how I'm going to loop this back into this extreme rules thing. Promoters have an idea of what works, and they don't necessarily know what works. They do it based on what they think the fans want. 
and what they think the fans need. And Vince McMahon has been doing this for so many years that now he's predisposed to thinking this is what works and this is what doesn't. And what usually has happened, and we talked about this a lot, the best things in the WWE in recent memory have happened totally by accident because of things beyond control. Injuries, um, planes getting stuck in Saudi Arabia have forced them to think differently, which brought me to Daniel Bryan. And Dave explained, he was like, Daniel Bryan was never in the plans to be a champion, and the fans truly forced that issue. Kofi Kingston was the same way. And the thing about Kofi was, and this is what makes you think about Extreme Rules, Kofi was nuclear hot that WrestleMania season, heading into that. The Elimination Chamber match when Ali got hurt, again, total accident, but here's Kofi. Uh, the the gauntlet match, which everybody remembers as the Usos saying, "Nah, dog, this you got it." It was one of the most emotional things that people had seen on like a regular ass SmackDown. Yeah, and we get to WrestleMania, and there was no turning back. There was no way Vince couldn't put Kofi over. He had to, and obviously Daniel Bryan was a big advocate. He was like, "You got to put him over. He's been working too hard." Like, I'm gonna make let let's do this. But then promoters become promoters again. Kofi wins the title, and Dave, this is what Dave said, without thinking about race at all, and this is where I had to chime in as well. Dave says, because Kofi was never in the plans to be the WWE champion, as soon as they got the opportunity to get the title off of him, they did with Brock. Because Brock was always in the plans. And I said, this speaks a lot to how black wrestlers are viewed in the grand scheme of things with promotions. We are not considered top guys. We are not considered when we show up, even though Apollo Crews looks like a million bucks, he's never in the plans. Until eventually somebody says, man, somebody has to advocate for a black wrestler to be in the plans. So a promoter's always going to go back to what a promoter thinks is going to work. And in this case, mm-hmm. Vince McMahon is Brock Lesnar, which leads me to extreme rules. In this case, what Vince McMahon thinks is going to work again is another cinematic match headlining an Extreme Rules pay-per-view that he's going to call the horror story or the horror show, whatever the hell it is, what he's not doing again, and what a lot of promoters don't do, is read the rule. Nobody wants another damn cinematic match. Nobody asks for a horror story, and as we're going to transition NXT and we'll leave AEW for for last, nobody's asking for the Great American Bash. Where the hell did this come from? They have the licensing. (laughs) I don't don't know. You want like a specific reason? I'm just saying like in my mind, I I don't think it's as deep as I'm thinking it is. In my mind, it's like, well, that's Cody's dad. Fuck Fighter Fest. Fuck him. We're going to take something that his dad put together and and put it up against Fighter Fest. Might not be that deep. I mean, yeah, probably. But it could be. Like, listen, I applaud 50 Cent levels of pettiness. I'm not on my high horse. Fuck it. If the guy left and you he broke the throne on stage, he's he's grandstanding. So yeah, throw some of his dads in his face. R.I.P. Dusty. But I'm saying. That's like if you own someone's masters and they want to use something, and you'd be like, no, you can't use that shit. And you drop it. You own the masters. You can be petty like that. I think. 50 Cent has bought people's whole catalogs so they can't use their own shit. That's funny. I'm right with that. I I have no axe to grind there. If you want to counter-promote against Cody Rhodes, 
by using his dad's own shit, I think that's prime levels of pettiness. And, so and petty Paul Levesque is just, just a perfect cherry on top for that. That's what he's going to be now, petty Paul Levesque. So my problem with this thing is, as we go into NXT, is the Great American Bash should be a pay-per-view. If that's what you really want to do. I mean, but you already did In Your House. I don't like when they overdo things. The In Your House thing could have yeah. been a one-off and be done with it. But NXT is in this weird, like, they're paying a lot of attention to AEW. And I don't like it. I don't like it one bit. I like NXT. To be fair, one- this is the first time they beat them in the ratings in, like, two months. I don't yeah. fuck ratings. But I'm just saying, like, maybe it's resonating. I don't, maybe, I don't know. I don't maybe, know why they I, had such a high viewership this week. I mean, who knows? Who knows what it ultimately came down to? But that I mean, they're actively counter-programming AEW. And in doing so, like this could work. I think the 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 difficult part is is you're booking a lot of shit really early that are NEC takeover caliber matches. And you're doing it just to counter-program an AEW show that's really not even a pay-per-view. It's just a good show good two weeks of shows that they branded as Fighter Fest. And you, you can only do Great American Bash for one one, one of those weeks. What are you going to do next week? So I don't, I, don't know what the yeah, overall, I, don't know. I don't know what the overall goal is here. But I feel like NXT has always been great when it just didn't pay attention to Raw, SmackDown. There was no influence there, no influence from AEW. They just put on good shows. I, I'm not saying that this is going to be bad because... The, the way they've booked this Great American Bash, which, again, I don't even know why you're calling it this, but whatever. But the It might way, be better in TakeOver. It's, it's, it's good. It looks really good. And I'm just like, man, this is really good. But it's like the idea that you had to, like, you, you think, okay, uh, here's a parallel. And it's a weird parallel, but it's a parallel nonetheless. BT, right? Mm-hmm. BT has this massive catalog of Rap City, Video Soul, 106 and Park, and all this stuff. Instead, BT does not run any of those reruns because they, they say they want to skew to a younger audience. However, a younger audience is not watching television. They're watching YouTube. No. They don't give a shit about what you're airing on TV. So if BT read the room, they can go, oh, well... I, if they ran a, a marathon of Rap City, old Rap City, nothing changed. No new videos, old Rap City. Yep. Freestyles, all that. Just yep. as the program was, people would watch it. The demographic that likes that shit, that still has cable television or satellite television, that, that doesn't watch YouTube all day, would tune in. It's really yep. simple. And I think WWE, what they're doing is they're, they're overthinking this. The Great American Bash is not something a new pro wrestling fan gives a shit about. NXT and the Great American Bash have nothing in common. At all. And you already ran the retro angle once. We were like, cool, that's great. But keep it as a novelty. Don't do it again. And they're doing it again in less than a month. I'm okay with it if this becomes a yearly television thing for NXT for when 4th of July comes around. And that's why they're doing it, because it's 4th of July. So it's the Great American Bash. It's It was the pay-per-view, the summer pay-per-view, right? Like, now it's just the weekly, every year, 4th of July, we're going to do Great American Bash. Which is great, except it just feels weird with the NXT brand. 
Once upon a time, that would have been relegated for a Raw or SmackDown. This is like counter programming to its core. And, yes. Okay. I just I hope it's I hope it's good, and I hope you're right. I hope they do like a theme, something, but do it as a takeover. Like, why not? Everybody's pretty much at home on the Fourth of July anyway. I wouldn't mind watching wrestling. I used to love when Survivor Series came on Thanksgiving. I do. Well, yeah, I, I think they do this because they need the ratings on television. Yeah. So that's why it's not a takeover because it would be on the network. So, so you so, do the same thing on television. I think what you don't do now that you understand that, okay, we can do this every year in July 4th, don't book a takeover for June. Go right. Mania, build to the Great American Bash on July 4th, and roll right into SummerSlam. That's fair. So, I don't know. We'll see. Now, I do look, might as well talk about the two shows as we get ready to get out of here. Um, NXT, I don't know about you, but the way Cameron Grimes was booked against uh, Damian Priest, I actually really enjoyed that. For I whatever, like Cameron Grimes right now. I do. I think there's something there. The top hat shit is goofy. Um, <laughs> it's the one thing you don't like. I don't like the top hat. It's so goofy. But he can wrestle. He's always been able to wrestle. And, and he's a good asshole. He's a good asshole. And you need a good he's asshole a, heel. I'm not sure if Damian Priest is a baby face. I don't know what I just is. think Cramming Grimes is an asshole to everyone. Like, Which there's there's a good room. Like, there's a good space for that. Yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I, I was watching NXT, and I was watching that match, and I was like, this match is actually really good, first of all. And second of all, I was like, this this works with Cameron Grimes. Like, yeah. I, I like this. I didn't expect to like this, but I like this. Let's push Cameron Grimes a little further. Let's get him in the North yeah. American title picture. Like, he's... There's something there. That was better. Wonderful. Better to be dastardly, devious small guy heel than chicken shit small guy heel. Yeah. Yeah. He found a good medium for him. Like, it doesn't weaken him. He's just dastardly. And you're like, you know what? I hope this guy gets his ass kicked. But he yeah. does it. Because he can go. So I, I I like what they're doing with him. Um, this triple threat, we'll see how it plays out. And we'll see. There has to be some rhyme or reason coming out of this. The people who lose, they have to lose and get into a feud of some sort. The problem is, is in the end of this, you're going to have one person with all the belts. Oh, yes, you're talking about Keith Lee versus Adam Cole. Okay, because, yeah, I mean, the triple threat, yeah, Keith Lee. Oh, the triple threat happened, yeah, I forgot. Keith Lee won. But, I mean, like, post-triple threat, you need something for everyone to do. So what do you do? Does this mean that you have nothing for Killer Cross at the pay-per-view? And he's just a, oh, I'm fucking up whoever wins? Does Keith Lee hold all the gold? And it's time for Adam Cole to go. Like, there's so many weird dynamics. Do you do this? I don't even think they've said it's for the SummerSlam takeover yet. Do you do this before then? With some shenanigans? I don't know. <laughs> I, like, I don't know. Killer Cross can come in and fuck both of them up. And you can say, well, we had champion versus champion. It ended in a no contest. And now we're going on with Cross and, and whoever. I would prefer Keith Lee, but we're going on with, you know, Cross and Adam Cole, and then Keith Lee and Finn Balor are going to be the title program, as it should have been. Uh, dude, I don't know. I, dude, I, I have this theory. It's not even a theory. It's convoluted. I'm, I'm fantasy booking right now, and 
I feel like the Undisputed Era's time is about to be up in NXT. I feel like wherever this Dexter Loomis, Roderick Strong thing, even though it's entertaining, where it ends, I don't see where Roderick Strong's going. I feel like uh, Fish and O'Reilly are permanently out of the NXT title picture, which really sucks, but it just feels like they're not involved. So I think the only threat left is Adam Cole still being the NXT champion. And if that's the case, I have to say all that because I really don't want to see them leave because I, I'm not trusting of them on Raw or SmackDown. But if you're going to lose, if, if, if Adam Cole's going to lose that title, whether it be to Keith Lee or whoever, and the Undisputed Era were to go to SmackDown, please send both Braun Strowman and The Fiend to Raw because I would love to see the Undisputed Era I'm not going to say dominate, but be the most important thing on SmackDown immediately. Because if you have the, un- the Undisputed Era versus the New Day, is a lot of fun. The yep. Adam Cole, like, if there's, if you get Braun Strowman and The Fiend out of there, and you find a way to get a worker into the title picture, whether it be Adam Cole, Matt Riddle, AJ Styles, Daniel Bryan, you see where I'm going here? All these fucking the matchups guys, are endless. They're ridiculous. We, we have to get a Kevin Owens Adam Cole program sooner or later. I mean, look, man, if they rebuilt Mount Rushmore in some type type of way from PWG with, with Cole and Owens together, because they're friends. Yeah, you, you can do that for three months and have Owens just say, you know what, fuck you. I mean you could I, I'm just saying you or could they could kick that. Owens out. Yeah, it'd be so good. You get like you trade. Get Owens off of Raw, bring him the SmackDown again. And get the yeah. Fiend and Strowman out of there because they are roadblocking all this wrestling talent on SmackDown. And the Undisputed Era would make SmackDown feel so much more important because, like I said, a feud with the New Day for the tag titles is a lot of fun. A feud like Cole versus Daniel Bryan again or Cole versus Styles or Cole versus anybody is great. Roderick Strong can, can, chase, the, uh, can chase the U.S. title. I don't care. But... It just feels more important because they have all this great wrestling talent on SmackDown, but the Fiend and Braun Strowman are just clogging everything up. Just get the, get out of the way, beat it. Yep. Sucks for Raw, but dude, I need that's the only way I can see the Undisputed Era leaving. Um, but anyway, back to NXT. You're you're right in that. I think they're gonna. Like, I feel like they're blowing their load on this, and I have no idea if they know where this is going afterwards. Because Keith Lee is just, he's too good. To just lose a clean match to Adam Cole and not have any titles, and Cole has both of them. It just seems weird to have a one, one champion. You just introduced this title. Why? Yeah. Why, why now? The, the only thing I can think of, which would be just fucking crazy, um, and this is like fantasy booking to the match, which I don't even know if fucking is possible, but if you do it beforehand and Keith Lee loses due to, you know, UE tactics, right? You, you always have a way to have Keith Lee lose and not really be his fault with the Undisputed Era. So they can make Cole the champ champ, which is huge for Cole. And you then have Finn Balor, whose claim was the only title I have never held is North American, right? And then you have Cross, who just wants Cole in that main belt. Cole defending the belt twice at the SummerSlam pay-per-view. Opening the show against Balor, defending North American. Losing, but close to Balor. And then having to face Karrion Cross in the main event. 
for the main title. See, I'm not mad at any of this. And and he loses know. both, but it makes him feel so goddamn big that when they jump, he's a big deal. Yeah, see, you're right. I'm not mad at any of this. You know what I'm mad at? The idea that this is happening on a random ass show. Like a regular ass <laughs> NXT. True. Like you got a title versus title match which feels huge for a SummerSlam show. Not yeah. just a regular week, a Great American Bash. Would have been great at Great American Bash. Yeah, if it wasn't. You t- want to make Great American Bash feel special. <sighs> uh, yeah. That would have I mean, been it. Like I said, my only concern ever with NXT joining on USA and going to televise is it felt like there was always going to be a looming uh, main roster influence. And I feel like it's there. Yeah, hopefully it is they there. can avoid it like, and just put on like good shows. But I don't like the counter program. I don't like any of that. But they have all this great talent. Just don't fuck it up. Got to figure it out. Um, real quick, touch on AEW before we are out of here. So to me... And I'll say this constantly. <laughs> what do you do with Orange Cassidy? Because he's the best thing in the company right now. <laughs> and so he damn near ended the show with his Becky Lynch moment. Oh, he was so good. What do you... He has to beat Cody. Because I, I don't want him to go to the title picture and like face Moxley. Like, I get that he's that hot. But he's still, you know, of their roster... He's still green because he came from the Indies, right? He's not a guy who came from another pro promotion. If Cody has that belt and he's doing open challenges, would it make sense for Orange Cassidy to one for one second actually care and challenge Cody for the belt at their next pay-per-view? Uh, maybe. Cody doesn't need that shit. No, he doesn't. The only reason Cody got it is to put someone else over. Yeah. You got to put this guy over. I, dude, I'm not. I'm not against this idea. Um, I, I don't I, want Moxley though. Moxley burning through feuds like this shit's going out fire. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. Like watching Brody Lee, and I was like, you guys could have done this upon Brody Lee's debut instead of doing this now. Like yeah. the whole Colt yeah. Cabana thing, they could have done that yeah. as soon as he showed up, and I would have been like, cool, that makes sense. That's I'm been fine with that. Now I don't know, but the whole first of all, AEW had a good, which is weird. AEW had a really good show this week, and it did these poor yeah. ratings. I I enjoyed it. Did it right. I, yeah, I, I thought it was really good wrestling this week. I thought so, yeah, it was good I, wrestling. It was good, a good go home show because I, I thought the Cassie Jericho segment was great, and yeah, I thought true. this interaction with Brick Baker and Swole is fucking exceptional. But they can't cash in on that yet. Not so yet. That's, that's another weird thing. The, it'll um, linger for a while, and eventually, I yeah. guess uh, Baker's gonna have to get somebody to deal with Swole. She has to. The wheelchair girl, right? Yeah, yeah. But does, yeah. The, is, does the wheelchair girl does she wrestle? I believe so. And somebody's gonna say, "Oh, oh yeah." Oh, um, but yeah. But I, f- I feel like yeah, their yeah, interactions the have been fun. I think uh, the way, like, even I thought the the Kenny Omega Adam uh, Page promo was really good because they're like, we don't really like each other, but we're the best wrestlers in the world. And it, like, just them talking shit was fun. Mm-hmm. Um, the whole Sammy Guevara That's- thing sucks now. Which we didn't talk about this week. Him saying he oh, rapes Sasha Banks, yeah. which is unreal. Yeah. Like, goddamn, stupid. So you got to cool him off for a second. Yeah, you got to cool him off for a um, minute. And that makes the whole, like, the Matt Hardy versus, who do you wrestle, Santana or Ortiz? I can't yep. remember. Yep. Yeah. I, I don't it know just the difference. Be- <laughs> it was like they had to change it on the fly, and it was just like, uh, it kind of ruined all of that. Because that's really You, you touch on one, one other thing. It's time to break up the inner circle. It's a wrap. Because Santana and Ortiz, 
LAX is not get they're not getting the push they deserve. And then you have even though it looks like they may get into the feud with the revival, I don't know. But they're not getting what they deserve. You gotta cool Sammy off. Jericho's out doing whatever the hell he does. Um, Jack Swagger or Jake Hager, <laughs> whatever the fuck he's doing. I don't he's wax off so far. It's time to just let that go. At least for a while. I think the the I think if uh if everything played out like it was supposed to with no coronavirus, they would have broke up. Because Jericho's about to go on tour. They would have yeah. kind of went their separate But now it's like Jericho's still hanging around, so there's kind of a reason to keep him there. I just think if you're not going to break him up, you need to push LAX as a tag team. Because you brought back Death Triangle. Phoenix and Pentagon are back. And yes, for whatever right. strange reason, FTR and the Young Bucks against Lucha Brothers and the Butcher and the Blade take the Butcher and the Blade out and put, give us LAX. Thank you. <laughs> How hard is that? Like, no one wants to see the Butcher of the Blade. And they're new. Unless they, who are they? You, I, I look at there. I look at that, and I say, oh, they're eating the pin. They have to. There's no other reason for them to be in there. They have to. They ha- unless, they take the shatter machine. They eat the pin. Yeah, unless there's like this, they're they're doing this whole turn with uh, with the, the Bucks and FTR, which I feel like, I mean, it's inevitable that they're going to wrestle sooner or later, but. Maybe, but still, I, when I saw that segment, I was like, "Oh!" And I saw, you know, Lucha Bros. I was like, "Oh shit, we're gonna have like an eight-way tag." And I was like, "That's kind of busy." And then I looked, and it was like the Butcher and the Blade, cosplaying as like a chef. I don't know who they are, a lumberjack. I don't know what they do anymore. Why are they in this I match? Know. I was like, I looked at LAX. I was like, this one is obvious. Yeah, you look and you say something here is different from the others. It's like those SAT questions. Yeah. That was, like, that was a, what here isn't the same as the others. It's like, uh, that was, easy. That was a weird one. Like, I was watching that just mind blown. I was like, why is this happening? I don't get it. I know there's other heel tag teams you can use. Yeah. So we had the, the what I don't, didn't necessarily care for, it wasn't horrible, but I'm not looking forward to the match, is the Cody, Jake Hager press conference. Um, Jake no, with his wife. Don't care. And I was yeah. like, ah, this is okay, you know, Cody's going to always be in like a segment that feels really important, like a press conference. Nobody else gets a press conference in AEW, but Cody Rhodes. Uh, so, whatever. Oh, I did like the Wardlow and Luchasaurus match. Yo, Wardlow's not bad. I put it in the chat. <laughs> I was like, if he had some different gear, Wardlow's not half bad. I just don't know if they know what they're doing with him. Dude, he did like a running Rana and I was like, wait, what? I was like, I no. didn't even know he could do this. <laughs> he can go. He's not, like, in that Cody match, I looked at it, and I was like, what was that? It was like his second match. The shit's in, like, a cage. Yeah. And I'm looking, and I'm like, yo, this motherfucker can kind of wrestle. But he got creator player number two gear on. Yeah, he got, he got and it doesn't, WCW power <laughs> plant gear on, yep. Yeah, like, it doesn't match him being in a suit and the bully for MJF all the time. Like, he's a guy who should just wrestle in his suit pants. <laughs> no no shirt, no top. You lose the shirt, the tie, the jacket, but you keep the suit pants, have his boots underneath, and you just beat the shit out of people in your suit pants. For a second, Batista did that for a hot second. <laughs> yeah, he did. <laughs> <laughs> Where he just looked jacked in the bottom half of his suit. That's a good look for Wardlow. I- that or you got to do, like Brian Cajun used the trunks. Like, if you're that big... 
You got to do something that looks menacing. It, it doesn't look menacing, no. but he can kind of go. Yo, that match, I'm watch, I was watching the match, and I was like, oh, they're kicking it off with this. And it's a lumberjack match. And I was like, I have no idea why this is a lumberjack match, but I'm here for it. I guess they're just, they were there to get dove upon. And I'm watching yeah. this match, and yeah, Luchasaurus, he can wrestle, he can go. And I'm watching Warlow, and I'm like, yo, you have been miscasting this man since you brought him in. <laughs> Horribly. What the, I like the character. I like him as the muscle for for MJF. I would prefer all MJF feuds to just be Wardlow until they get to like the pay-per-view. Like, yo, listen, I'm too important to ever wrestle. You don't pay me enough to wrestle on TNT. When you see me, it's pay-per-view only. MJF could pull that shit off. You're right, he could. And it's just yeah, Wardlow. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Like it's it's right there, and Wardlow can wrestle. Yeah. Like if, imagine MJF winning the belt, and he's like, "Nah, Wardlow, you, you don't pay me enough to wrestle me." That's a contract signing. And that's a press conference. Yeah, I mean, it's almost like what Million Dollar Man did with like Money Incorporated back in the day. Yeah, yeah. And he just hold the belt for hostage. I, I nah, like, nah, nah. I like you got to wrestle Wardlow. I like Wardlow. It. He he serves a purpose. The look doesn't match him. The skill set. No, it doesn't. Like something's off. Yeah. Yeah, he, he looks... Ah, it's, it's horrible. He looks like the third member of American Alpha. <laughs> if you just look in the ring. But his character is not that. Like, it, it's so weird. It's not. It was... Like I, <laughs> I don't know. Like, I was watching the show, and I was like, oh, this is good. And I was like, hey, yo, what are you guys doing? The other thing that I didn't think I would expect to like, and I actually do, is Sonny Kiss and Joey Janela together. Oh, I love those promos, right? Yeah, like, this, <laughs> like those the those convenience vignettes? store. Like, oh god, they're yeah. at the convenience store and they're fighting, and like Joey Janela's like in the convenience store, and those dudes roll up on Sunny Kiss. I was like, this, this get for one, it gives Sunny Kiss something to do because he's ultra talented, but he's never yep. doing anything. So that was I don't even mind them eating the pin. It's Brody Lee, you're gonna eat the pin. Oh, uh, yep. I don't even mind that. I just those two together, it was fun. So I feel like AEW, they get it in some areas. Like they put things together, and it's like, oh shit, this works. And then others, I think they kind of trip upon like this Wardlow match. Hopefully, Tony Khan, Cody, the Bucks, they all watched that match and was like, oh fuck, <laughs> like we got something here, guys. We need to do something. Yeah, with this. like it's it's tough because just naturally, it's like in the NFL when a coach wants to be a GM, you may have the best intentions. But you're going to miss some stuff. Yeah. You know, so, and, and and other times they let people try, like, the Butcher and the Blade, they come into your office like, yo, I'm going to be a chef and a lumberjack. Somebody in that fucking locker room got to say no. That ain't it. Like, that's the next problem. That's the, the next problem they will face is, when do you tell someone no? Because Janela and um, Sonny Kiss worked out. I love that shit. The internet's calling a bad romance. <laughs> Great. Great gimmick. Cool tag team. I love it. They're fun. They can go. But when something doesn't work, when are you going to tell someone no? Because, by the way, you should have told the Dark Order no a long time ago. And they've randomly slipped one of them into the Brody Lee six-man tag. Not Evil Uno, but the other guy. Yeah, it's, yeah. I I don't know. Stu Grayson. Um, Stu Grayson. Thank you. Brody Lee's so good, and he's making this thing work as himself. But they need to figure this Dark Order thing out because it. Cole Cabana, one, Cole Cabana ain't it. He ain't going to turn no. the corner for them. But no. two, it's like, don't squander Brody Lee. 
You already ruined it. You like not even ruined. You already squandered it once by putting him in the title picture too soon. But now it's like do something right with him. He, he's just way too good. Way too good. Yeah, so we'll see how this all plays out. Plenty more to talk about next week after we see the Great American Bash and Firefest. Real quick, because I, I know we gotta end this show and I know some people are gonna ask. Are you caught up on New Japan Cup? No. Okay. I've only watched the first two days. Okay. So first two days. Listeners. I'm going to catch up. We're going to my, get, my kids just went home. My kids just went back to their moms in Kansas City. I have the whole place myself. I'm bored to death because they're not here anymore. Trust, I will make it happen. I'm going to binge it. Next week, we're talking about it. Yes, we're going to talk New Japan Cup because we talked a lot of AW, NXT, and other shit. We're going to talk New Japan Cup, guys. I know a lot of people have been like people have been asking me, like, what did you think about this match? We, look, I'm caught up. I've watched it. And I need <laughs> Kel to watch it because um, without, like, there were... The ma- the matches that you didn't think were going to be good ended up being really good. And then there was some- it was it was it was weird how they booked this, but now it's starting to make sense where I'm at being caught up. So it's like you're going to need to watch it so I can talk about it because right. yeah. I'm gonna watch it straight through tomorrow. I'm not going to pay attention to Raw. I'm gonna have Raw on, but the main TV is going to be New Japan, and I'm gonna watch it for like three four hours straight. Yeah, I mean each each uh, show is only two hours long. Two hours. And like, yeah, but I've I've already watched two. Yeah, and there's like one tag match in there, and then, you know they spend like twenty minutes cleaning the damn ring. So, you know. Yeah, now I'll fast forward. So easy, got it. I'll catch up. We're talking that next week. Uh, it was a packed show today, a long one. But thank you guys for listening. A lot of good information. We'll be back later on in the week to talk boxing and MMA. We appreciate you guys. Oh, we'll also recap what we have: Fab versus Jada, so we can talk hip hop. Later in the week, too, so that's going to be fun. Make sure you guys follow us on social media, at Corner Podcast underscore, me at Kel Dansby, him at Andreas Hale. It was a long one. We appreciate you. I need another claw. We're out. Peace. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.